1: AM 970 The Answer presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information from the hot properties in the tri state to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. I'm
0: getting
2: closer to-
1: Call now, 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman.
3: We're back, and you're listening to I on Real Estate. And uh, I'm here with Ace, my financial wizard, and Jerry. My legal legal eagle and myself, the real estate maven. And uh, Ace, I have somebody who's live in the studio in uh, Palm Beach who has asked a question on Bitcoin. And she's like, oh, what do you think are the best? And I'm like, well, we can't give that advice because (laughs) we, I don't want to get sued if they're not. Exactly. But let me ask you this question. There's so many uh, now, there's so many coming out. I mean, there's a lot of them now, right? I mean, there's...
2: I think I think there's two ways to look at it, right? So there's the uh, technology platform, and then there's the currency, the d- digital currency um, aspect of Bitcoin. I'm repeating Bitcoin. it because she doesn't have headphones. Okay. The
3: technology platform?
2: Te- yep, technology platform and digital currency, right? We're
3: going right? to let her ask the question. Hold okay. on. all right. All right, Ace. You have Ashley on the phone. Hi, Ashley. So what's your question? Hi. How are you? So your question was? Okay, my question is, where do you think this is going to go?
2: Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think <clears throat> as long as it's decentralized, right, um, I don't think it has um, really two legs to stand on. It's still, um, it just became an asset class, which is great news. Um, but I think until, you know, we, we can actually have mass adoption, um, to the technology, which you know, I like to pertain to blockchain. So, blockchain technology—if you, for our listeners who don't know what that is—really, you know, what blockchain does is it, it creates transparency. So everything is on a large ledger; everybody can actually see what's going on in in the ledger, and there's no third party really involved in your transactions amongst each other. What's not really, um, I guess, regulated is the the identity. Right? So if somehow we can create blockchain but have it be somewhat regulated, then that technology will be adopted. Now, there are cryptocurrencies out there such as XRP, and you know it stands for Ripple, which is sort of working with financial institutions, and they just contracted with American Express, MoneyGram, Bank of America, Santander, and they're, they're, they almost are a money exchange internationally.
3: So, I don't understand Ace. This is the whole idea that yeah,
2: you know what, it's um, this is
3: the whole idea that the uh, bank, yeah, inv- um, the th- that the bank whole... wasn't supposed to be involved, and so basically, it's out of their hands, and it was like two people, and you could so bas- only sell them to a limited so, amount of people. So
2: basically, they they actually created it because they wanted to decentralize um, banks, right? But I think the smarter um, blockchain technology companies now are realizing, you know what you you can't really go against Goliath, right? So you either have to work Fine. with them or you have to find a way to at least incorporate regulation into this technology, and at least
3: let the banks make some money because if they can't make money on it, they're not. You, going you know, to there's grow. there's
2: just so many. Um, you know, it, look, Ashley, if you have any questions, you can email me. I can, you know, we can sit down for a couple hours and talk about it. There's just a lot of things people need to know and educate themselves on before we just kind of running into the craze of you know I need to buy we'll, a Bitcoin. We'll try know? to have
3: ace every. Uh, couple of weeks give you a little but it's so hard to get your arms around it I mean I have a hard time getting my arms around it and it's changing but it's something that you should start to know about if you don't
2: Um, one thing I can tell our listeners is that the blockchain technology (laughs) will be the technology of the future Um, it's just how we actually use it and how we implement it will be key right so um, that's as simple as I can sort of put it um, in today's marketplace but Dottie said it best it's ever so evolving so we're going to see this technology evolve and mature and become a little bit more. Um,
3: but again, you know, power.
2: Power, exactly. Um, uh,
3: you know, to have power, like to be knowledgeable, that's power. So we'll try to give you a little, but it's not there yet. So we don't know how it all ends up, but we we'll kind know. of at least, as talking points, give you a little bit more information about it. So we'll I just have hang a quick- tight. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I have a quick question
4: from Tom from the Bronx. Good morning. Yes, uh, hi, Daddy. Glad to hear you back. I'd I like to say i like to say this that uh, where credit cards are concerned, I don't know why. Like I, I'm in with Chase Bank, for instance. If I walk in the Chase Bank and I go over and I say, "Look, I have no intention of having any credit cards," I'll sign. A, uh, a statement to that effect with the bank. You can keep it on records. And if anybody walks in and says, hey, it's Tom from the Bronx asking for a credit card, they would say, well, wait a minute. Let me just uh, look at the records here. And and they would know definitely this individual is a fraud. You know what I mean?
3: Well, I think that that's ideally simple, but imagine if... Uh, I. <laughs> Imagine if a lot of people didn't. I don't know if the average is no system. That, you know. And let me tell you what happened. I think I told you in the beginning of the show that I was at uh, a women's conference for business entrepreneurs, and one of the women that I became very friendly with, and I don't want to put it in a truck too much about it until I do my own homework, but she's got a suit against the banks. I, 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 she claims that in her business, she passed out, you know, she, she does payroll, and she does a 1,000 checks about a month, and uh, for three months, uh, there was a scam going on, and the scam was that they put checks with no signature in. In other words, they were made out, but her, she never signed them, and she was out of uh, maybe $450,000 or $350,000. And the bank paid them? The bank paid them. And the bank – and I don't have the story straight because it was hard for me to really – and that's why I didn't really want to talk about it until I know it. She has a whole commercial. She has a whole thing online to make people aware. There's some ordinance in the bank that they're not responsible for something. But they, but, but she was telling me that there's – maybe, you know, there's, this doesn't happen with mortgages, but this is with loans where they actually – put it through a machine that scans the check but it doesn't look for the signature.
2: Hmm.
3: And now I'm sure she's not making it up, but again, I want to do the right research, even though she has it online all over and she's trying to protect people from it. But I think in any industry, whether it be banking, whether real estate doctor, lawyer, Indian okay, chief, you you always are gonna find mistakes. And things that are oversights. I mean, I I had credit cards of fraud. I had my almost identities uh, taken. I don't even shop online when I can help it because I'm really leery about that. But then uh, my latest thing was, listen to this one. They took, they didn't charge my credit card. They took my points.
5: Oh, they did that to me uh... too, Dottie.
3: Okay, they didn't put a charge on my credit card. Yeah, but they took like five thousand points and took like a timeshare in some place that my assistant knew I would not be going to. Okay, so there was no charge that you would look and see that they took. But if you have a lot of points, they took a whole vacation. And it
5: doesn't show up on your. It doesn't show up on your statement, and that's what my issue was. We went to uh, book a, a flight. And my assistant told me how many points I had. I said, "Well, that doesn't sound right." I said, "I never use these points. I only use them for travel." Turns out somebody had stolen my points, and and the uh, for me it was American Express. They don't put them on the, the credit card statement, the transaction. I said, "Well, how was I supposed to know?" Well, you're supposed do, to monitor uh, yeah. your points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How would I you know how many
3: points you even have?
5: Yeah. Oh, that's a and so that's I, one I, that I, they uh, assume you're not going to uh, catch uh, on
3: to. I think. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question because I don't know that there is any way anyone guarantees anything. Look, look what Equifax, look what happened with them. Well, they're a credit company. And so, and, 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 and by the way, those names, you know, if you called and said, like, I wanted to see if my name was one of them stolen, they're not going to use that information that they stole for about two or three years when people forget about it. Right. So, uh, is there any way, Ace, that you could think of that anyone could be so protected? On.
2: I mean, you can put a block on it, right? But...
5: You a, you know, there's a fee, a small fee associated mm-hmm. with it, but it's well worth it if that's yeah. what you're worried about. If that's so right. of any of the credit bureaus, you can put a credit block on.
2: So it's and like a, a freeze have to on your call credit. Call you exactly. Before
5: any credit is issued,
2: but that's that's really um, you know it's a pain too when you want to unfreeze it as well. Yeah. But but if you're worried, then you can always do that.
3: So in other words, Tom can put a credit a freeze on the credit all cards across the cards.
5: board
4: yeah. across well, the what board. What if he
3: doesn't? Do you have yeah. any credit cards? Or are you saying Tom? I have none. So he
4: has no, none. none. But in other words, I'm just worried about frauds and I don't like what's going on. Hello?
6: How
5: do you, yeah, wear, well, how do you oh, live yeah. with no credit cards? I don't cards, like by what's
4: going on. Something's got to be done about this thing. Otherwise, it's the banks and the criminals against the public. That's the way I look at it.
5: But how do you live with no credit cards, Tom?
4: I, I, I'm a 99 cent uh, store buyer, fundamentally. So I, gonna, I don't uh, have. I don't have that big a need. I don't need yeah. credit cards.
6: Much
3: well, you know, of- you're 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 a perfect example of the way the wor- world look. My father. They. I don't even think they had credit cards, and th- that probably was the better way to live because you couldn't buy what you didn't have the money for. You live with. We somehow- never had
4: credit cards in my family. Never.
3: Yeah, so I grew up with no credit cards because I mean I got I have them when I got older, but my father never had credit cards. I don't even know if they had credit cards then, did they?
5: They did. It was a much more um, uh, rare thing though. I remember as a kid being in line with my mother. Can I just say
3: one last car- thing? Okay, go ahead. Sure, sure, sure. We <laughs> like. Uh, listen, if you I, can I live like that, good for you.
4: Something. I just have this to say. If someone has a credit card and they're buying items, it's their bills to pay. It's not our bills to pay. They have nothing to do with them, their story. And that's what should be done there. I don't know, if that, I right. don't know what that means. And you know what, what you
3: Tom? Well, I understand what he's saying. But I just think that if you can live like Tom, more power to you. Because the problem is people today live well over their means. And I am doing a whole thing on on, on, on financing and, and credit. And, and I, I tell people, if you spend more than you make, which is how most people live, you're spending paper money and you're never going to have any wealth. You have to kind of take a step back. So I think kudos to you i i think it's it's hard to do that and not only that what do you use for identification if you don't have a credit card or license i'm not sure if you could but i think that kudos to you more people should live like that and uh thank you for calling us tom Uh,
4: all right thanks for
3: listening no thank you for calling and you have a good weekend True. I mean, I didn't no, have credit I, cards I think I think credit up.
2: card has has somewhat ruined um, society in 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 certain ways just because. They don't live within their means and you know you Well see I see it. people yeah.
3: I see people and I won't name them but they're close people to me. And I see they have credit card debts of $40,000, and there's no way they can pay them back, so they pay interest only and they're just digging themselves more and more into a hole. I've
2: I've seen people, Dottie, with credit card bills of around thirty to forty K a month and they don't make nearly that much yeah. to, to And pay, I think you know?
3: you know what, if they wanted to do something to help consumers, I think they put a limit on that. I just think that too many people get into too much trouble. And that's really in the recession that they blamed all the banks. A lot of really what it was is that people who had equity in their homes and bought their homes years ago uh, took out all the equity. Yeah. And so then when the market dropped, they didn't have the equity to, to hang on. So I, I think a good financial plan is uh, – I really think people should really do financial planning and I think everyone would be different and it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. I think you have to look at your goals and you have to have some and you have to uh, attract some. some. Definitely. You have to kind of have a plan. Uh, Otherwise, and I see a lot of kids in their 20s and 30s and they act like credit card debt and I'm like, you're never going to pay even the, you're lucky if you can pay the interest. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps on adding and adding. So I, I kind of think there's a balance, maybe not have no credit, but I think we uh, overextend it. So one of the topics, somebody asked me, this sounds really simple, um, do I really want to buy a home? And, and like, should I buy a home? And I, and I said, well, if you want to buy a home today, and I talk about today, first of all, we're in a buyer's market. So could you lowball something? I guess you can if you see it's been on the market a year or so when it hasn't sold. But for the most part, um, we still have a shortage of inventory. So if you find something that you love, you're going to probably have to come up to uh, close to full price, if not full price. Uh, lowballing works in markets that are generally uh, buyer's markets. We're basically, I think, in a seller's market. Uh, check the data, so kind of know what you're buying. So It's important that you kind of look up and you can go on any site, our sites, any sites, and look at what other homes, I mean, take a radius and look at blocks around it and see what the things have sold for. Uh, Make sure that the home you're purchasing is in realm of what the average home goes for. Um, It's important to know that if neighborhood homes are selling for an average at this time, and this is an average so they're not all, but they're averaging at 99.3% of the average list price. Some a little less, some a little more. So if you come in at 15% below, that might be, a little bit, that might be too aggressive in this market. Depending how badly you want something, right? Um, and that's why when I tell you using brokers, when you look to hire a broker, one of the first things I would look at is how well that broker can negotiate because I think people do not put the value that they should on negotiating a deal uh, and making the buyer and seller both come out winning. And I think when it comes to negotiating, when you're doing something personally, for your personal, it's hard to negotiate. So I think that the brokers do a tremendous job of that if they're good. And uh, I think it's a skill people really don't think about. And uh, that makes all the difference. So you should know that. And you should always put yourself in the seller's shoes because that's how you negotiate. You know, the seller should put themselves in your shoes and vice versa. And think to yourself how the seller might react to a weak offer. If you were the seller, would you accept the offer? And I think, again, I think I've told you this before. Look at how long the house has been on the market. If the home or the apartment's been on the market a very short time, likely, more than likely, not always, but more than likely, the seller's going to be less flexible because they're like, oh, I just put this on. Let me just see what happens. And I tell the sellers, sometimes the first offer you get is the best offer. Uh, So... Is it a weak offer? And if you're going to put a weak offer, hopefully you have a nice down payment and offset it with a good down payment and say maybe the offer is low, but I'm putting 35% down or something like that. And therefore, uh, you're guaranteed, I'm pretty much guaranteed to get a mortgage. And listen to your real estate agent. Oh, okay, uh, Real estate agents, I... I really believe if you have the right real estate agent, they have a wealth of knowledge. And as I've always said, I don't mind paying anybody money if they help me accomplish something that I could have not done as good a job myself. And I can tell you when you're negotiating on personal things, it's, it's kind of tough, especially if you're in a market like this. And uh, usually the broker might know some of the things that were rejected already. They'll probably know, but remember something Timing is everything. So if you put in an offer, and for some reason it's rejected, leave a standing offer in. Now let me ask you, Ace and Jerry, if you lost two offers, somebody outbid you, what would that tell you?
5: That you're not being realistic, maybe, in your yeah. presentation of your offer?
3: Yeah. So if you've lost two or three offers already... Uh, sometimes, sometimes you have to lose to figure it out. Remember, you're probably not being realistic of mm-hmm. where your offer comes in at, and uh, you better check your commitment to really buying a home, or you're kind of just out there playing around and saying, "Look, if I can get a steal, I'll do it, and if not, no way." Um, maybe you're bargaining hunting, and that's okay, but don't expect you're going to have to go through a lot of, a lot of inventory. We'll be right back. I think we have a quick break and we'll be right back. And I have a question for Ace.
1: It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO Dottie Herman?
3: Hi, we're back. You're listening to Ion Real Estate, and time always goes quickly when you're having fun. Uh, so much to learn. Um, Ace, yes. Uh, rate hikes—have we had three already, or how many have we had so far?
2: Yeah, we've had um, three rate hikes, and rates are currently at four and a half percent. You know, still a lot of people are, are, yeah, a lot of people are a little bit worried that rates are going to go higher, but. You know, well, in the whole grand scheme of things, uh, like what we were saying before in the show, you know, we were seeing rates of 16%. So right now it's uh, still at a very all time low, you know. But, okay, um,
3: now f- I have yeah. the Fed's Kaplan rate hikes. They say rate hikes are necessary. And uh, Robert Kaplan, which is, uh, says he favors three rate hikes this year. And that's kind of hoping that we don't have a fourth. And, uh,
2: well, rate rate hikes, you know, it, sh- it shows consumer confidence, right? It shows that the economy is improving, um, jobs are being created. So, you know, rates, you know, when they increase, and, you know, Jerry talks about this too, they're really increasing short-term rates. And when you take out a mortgage, it's considered long-term rates, right? So um, have rates increased? It has. But is it going to impact our mortgage rates necessarily? Um, you know, the two don't really correlate to each other that much, so yeah. rates are still very and low, you know. And I mean, still it's still low. Like and if they percent. go up, and
3: uh, yeah. I guess it's fifty-fifty whether it'll go up again, a fourth rate hike. It's like nobody kind of knows. What do
2: you I th- think? I think you know, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I can tell you if you're on the fence today, and you're looking to buy a home, and we all talk about buying power. I think this is the ideal time, right? Because rates are still low, and there's only one way that rates are going and that's going up you know whether okay, and it's and by the way yeah A's, go tell ahead, them, Dottie.
3: for every percentage or half a percent that it goes up how much yeah. how much buying power do you lose
2: so for every 1% that it goes up you lose about 11 to 12% um, buying power so just keep that in mind if you, if there are listeners out there that are on the fence remember the lower the rate the more i guess the, the the more you can borrow right so right now you're at four and a half percent if rates go up to five and a half percent which they they think it will go up to five and a half percent I don't want to scare anyone that's listening but um, you know you're gonna lose 11 to twelve percent on your buying power so if you're on the fence today um, this could be an ideal time for you to really inquire um, with a banker and just get pre-approved you know just figure out what you can afford and um, it, the rates are very low so it'll allow you to afford more. So So how
3: do they get in touch with you again, Ace?
2: They can email me at ace.w at citizensbank.com.
3: Okay. And we'll be glad to have somebody pre-approve you. And you'll have that so at least you know what you can afford. Exactly. Uh, By the way, sellers remember that also because – if a buyer is gonna lose ten or eleven percent of their buying power, that means you'll have that many less sellers.
2: Oh, it goes both ways. Qualifying
3: Dabi. for your home. So
2: for a seller, so, you're gonna lose that pool of buyers that can afford your home today if you wait down the line, right? So
3: Okay, so let me ask you something. If you were considering because uh they say that last week that about six to maybe 7% of the home loan applications were for adjustable rate mortgages, which means that they start lower than a traditional mortgage, uh, but they can go up. And that's up from 5% last, last year. Um, what What should you know about taking an adjustable mortgage? You, you, you know, should you know the terms and you should know how, when it, how much it adjusts? I mean, what should somebody know?
2: Definitely. Um, I think... An ARM product, adjustable rate mortgage, it's, um depends on your, on your situation, right? I wouldn't recommend this for everyone. Um, it really depends on, you know, what your particular situation is. But the things that you should really keep in mind is, you know, whether it's a 5-1 ARM. So how a 5-1 ARM works is that it's a, a 30-year amortized loan, but it's only fixed for the first five years. Now, you know, you you want to inquire about the caps, right? So sometimes there's a 2 2 225 cap or 525 cap. What caps mean is it actually minimizes how much it can in actually increase after the 5th year. So, really dependent upon the type of product that you take out on an arm, which is, you know, which stands for an adjustable rate mortgage, you really need to figure out what the caps are to really minimize your risk. And you know, for an, for an arm product, I would say for for the financial Wall Street guy that's getting large bonuses, or for the self-employed borrower that has a business where the business is cyclical you may want to go with an adjustable rate mortgage where the rates are actually low for a certain period of time and you know that you're either going to pay a lump sum at a certain at a certain period in time during the year where you're paying down the principal or you're not really looking to stay there for all of 30 years, right? So you're, you're, it may be a starter home. It may be your first home. You may plan on having kids down the line, where you're going to move into a, a I guess um, a step up home. They call it. And you may just want to take out a 7/1 ARM and take advantage take advantage of the low rates, so that later on, when you do buy that larger home, you can roll it into you know maybe a 30-year fixed rate once you go into a bigger home.
3: And that's why you have to talk to ACE and someone at Citizens because you really have to look at your circumstances. For Like, as they said, if you're not going to be in a home, if you think you're not going to be in a home for more than six or seven years, there's no point. There's no
2: point in taking out a 30-year
3: a, to, fixed rate, a 30-year fixed mortgage because you're not going to be there. Yeah. And then you might as well take advantage. And with the money you save, you'll have that much more money for your down payment or for whatever else you need to do with it. Uh, But for some people who are going to be there for long, it's going to adjust. And so when it adjusts, you have to be able to pay that payment. So um, you need to look at that. And you need to sit with somebody. And it costs nothing. And that's really, really the key. It's not like people are charging you for their time. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're going to an attorney's office and he's saying, by the way, before I can help you, you know, you have to sign a retainer with me. That... The folks and citizens are going to sit down with you and it costs nothing whether you buy a home or you don't buy a home. And I'm really making really, 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 uh, I'm going to try to make a, a big impact on people and financial literacy. And I don't speak that in a, in, a, in a demeaning way. I can tell you personally, I never took care of my finances. I knew what I was doing. I was certified as a financial planner, but I always put myself off. I did everything else and didn't really concentrate on my own things. And I am a certified financial planner. Just didn't. Uh, and believe me. I lost a lot of money doing that. And, or I could have, would have put it this way, I could have made a lot more money if I had concentrated. And especially, I think women uh, tend to be more in that category than men, and they just don't. Uh, so I think that learning about it, parents getting their kids to learn about it, uh, sitting with mortgage company like Citizens and Ace and finding out the options that are available, to you because there are many options. And again, there is no one size fits all. And when you're talking to friends, they might tell you something in, in good faith because they think it was worked for them, but it might not be the right product to you. So it takes a little time, but it doesn't cost anything. And so I advise everybody to take an opportunity to really find out what they qualify and what products, what financial products are out there. I think that's probably the best advice I could give you on any of these things. And, again, it's free. Free, 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 free. Uh, By the way, if you own a home today, uh, you should remember that when you're filing 2017 taxes, that the recent changes to the tax code will impact homeowners as early as this year. But the one thing you need to realize is that the changes that took effect under the Tax Cuts and Job Act don't apply to the previous tax year. That means that you sit down to file your 2017 return. You will need to follow the old rules, not the current ones. And here are a few things to keep in mind. And you can claim a deduction for mortgage interest on a loan up to a million dollars this year, for last year, right? I mean, for 2017. Correct, Jerry? Correct.
5: Correct. Yep.
3: Okay. So going forward, it won't be that amount. But if you're when you file for 2017 you can claim a deduction for mortgage interest loans up to a million dollars still so don't forget that you can claim home equity loan interest okay under the new tax changes home equity loan interest is no longer deductible now remember that the home equity uh, interest was used to be deductible, it's not going to be. But again, if you took out a home equity loan last year, you can deduct it still. Uh, specifically, you can deduct an interest on home equity loans worth up to $100,000 if you are filing a joint return or $50,000 if you are single. Uh, and by the way, on the uh, deduction for mortgage interest, starting next year, you can, uh, you can file a million dollars you can deduct a million dollars this year. Uh, next year it will be seven fifty, starting two thousand and eighteen. So this is the last year of one million, but you still can, and uh, that's a good thing, I guess. The new tax law limits the state and local deductions, or what they call salt S A L T deduction, to ten thousand effective this year. And that includes property taxes, but if you paid more than that in real estate taxes last year, don't worry. You can deduct whatever amount you paid, and that includes any amount you might have prepaid in anticipation of SALT deduction. Okay, so I don't know if everyone understands that, but you can deduct last year. You can deduct the taxes in full from last year. It's 2018 that's going to make the difference. Uh, and again, home deduction, you might be eligible. You better ask your CPA uh, because I still think you might be home. You might be eligible. I think we have a break coming up. We'll be right back. After
1: It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman.
3: We're back, and I'm so looking forward to seeing the horses in Wellington today. I I was uh, actually wonderful in a way that the weather was bad, and I couldn't get a flight back, otherwise I'd be in New York now. Uh, So I get to go, and I'll back tomorrow but i did want to try to give you what i told you there are some golden rules that are kind of myths that are passed down um that are not necessarily true or don't hold true today and so i wanted to go through them with you and um rule number one and this is uh they'll always tell you always change bold paint colors to neutrals before selling and i generally give that advice i say don't paint like hot pink or lime green or something because you want to appeal to uh, the majority of buyers. So you want to take something neutral, but they say that that's false and they say bold doesn't automatically mean bad. Sometimes a room calls for a grand color in order to pay up an architectural feature um, and that you could divide a room or two into two visually Parts. And so here's my advice, even though I somewhat agree with them and somewhat don't. To be on the safe side, I would be neutral. If you want to paint one wall of color for an accent or you want to put a fabric on one wall for texture, that's okay. But when you're selling your home, unless it's, the less specific it is, in a way, the, the more masses of people will go for it. The more specific, the more specific the taste. And again, that doesn't mean you won't sell it for a lot of money, but then you have to find that buyer that likes that specific taste. So I would say that could be true or not, but for most part, neutral. I think. Would you agree, Jerry and Ace? Or
2: I think really? I think neutral is is always um, the safer Paper. bet, right? So yeah. yeah, maybe
3: an accent wall with some color or some texture, but just to play it safe.
2: Exactly. You never know, uh, right? Pistel might be your favorite, but then the buyer might not like Pistel, so.
3: Right. Never buy the biggest house on the street. Now, I know truly you said that wasn't true or somebody think. I, I don't know. I Don't quote me on that. I will find out by next week who said that wasn't true. That usually is true. There always is exceptions. But I always give advice. You don't want to buy the most expensive home on the block. Uh, The largest house on the block or in the neighborhood often is the most expensive, which may affect its appraisal, and it makes its price much higher than other homes in the same neighborhood on a comparative analysis. And most buyers today are concerned about value and making an investment in a home. So if you have the biggest house or the most expensive, and I'm not talking to buy about $5,000 or some small amount of money, buy a big amount. It's what sometimes they call a white elephant, meaning that if you can afford that home, you want to be with other homes that are of that price or around that price. You don't want to have a million dollar home stuck in, you know, let's say a person started at 500000 and they added renovations and they made the home a million too. <clears throat> and then they go to sell and they say, Well, I put all this stuff in my home. I did this, I did that, I did this, and I want to get paid for it. Well if your home even if you spent that kind of money to make it a million two, if everything else is five or six hundred thousand dollars, there's not many people that are gonna to want to live in an area that their home is a million two and everyone is five or six, unless you get a guy who wants to be king of the hill. You know, and if right I mean so I would tell you within reason, so if your if your price range is seven fifty and you're redoing your kitchen, don't spend the million dollars on your kitchen. You know, do it in in, in reason with the price of your home, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense to you. And rule number three always avoid, well, when they tell you always avoid first floor condos because of noise and safety concerns, I would say that's false. Uh, I would not say that's true. A first floor condo unit can be terrific, and it could be, sometimes it could be cheaper and it could be a wonderful place to live. And sometimes you don't have to wait for an elevator. You can just walk in. And if you are getting older, or you wonder you about walking upstairs with groceries, especially if you're living in a city, it's a lot easier. Uh, find, you can find ways, if you live in a first floor or you buy a first floor, then you can find ways to soundproof the unit with a good fitting door and uh, sound-dampening acoustical panels on the interior side. Um, Also window treatments that block noise and views, such as top-down, bottom-up. And you can do all that, and if the unit doesn't have them, And you can put an alarm system in if it doesn't have it. But I I don't find that it's as big a detriment as people think. And I know when I was looking years ago for an apartment in the city, they showed me something that was on Central Park, but it was like the second floor, the first floor. And they're like, listen, you'll smell the horses and you'll see the people. And And truthfully, I would have. You know, soundproofed, that it wouldn't have bothered me the least, and so, uh, and and usually, and usually, it was cheaper than if you were like on the twentieth floor. So, so I, I think that it's a personal thing, and I think <clears throat> that it's not necessarily true. What do you guys think? Just curious, because this is not a science.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, Dottie, you know, I I think I go back to point number two as well. You know, when if you're really, really looking to buy real estate as an investment, along with primary then I think not being that white elephant in that neighborhood, right? I see a lot of times people are emotional and and if you wanted to buy a trophy property, then that's great. But if you're looking to buy along with um, some sort of investment, um, I guess, intuition as well, you want to go into a great neighborhood, but you don't want to be that top-of-the-line home, right? You want to get the home that that has room for appreciation, especially if you're looking for a condo in the city as well. You know, I I invest in a couple of properties myself, and I like to go with a line that's popular, but I'm not going to get the penthouse line. I'm going to get the line that's right in the middle where there's room for appreciation. So I think, you know, rule number two that you mentioned, Dottie, is so key, and, you know, be on the first and second floor sometimes, you know, to your point, it's convenient. You're right there. Nah, you know, you right. come right outside. It's really not that bad. So,
3: And not only like that, you have to look at your own needs. That's exactly. If it's an investment, it's one thing. I know when I was looking to buy an apartment, um, I could have gotten for the same price a view of Central Park, which obviously I know from being in real estate goes for a lot more money yes. than if you don't have a view. Correct. However, Correct. it was half the size of the apartment I could have bought <laughs> that had a city view, which no longer has a city view because they built something in front of it, but it did have a city view at the time. (laughs) And I said, well, I know investment-wise it's a better investment to buy something facing the park, but I won't have enough room to put any of my clothes. I can't, so I deliberately took something I knew long-term wasn't as great of an investment. I didn't, but I didn't buy at the top of the market. But I did because my had personal needs. You have to look yeah. kind of at everything.
2: At everything. Um, and, and, Dottie, I think everything. we have a caller on, on the line as well.
3: Uh, we have, is it?
2: Malika from Harlem.
3: Malika from Harlem. Are you there, Malika? Good morning. Hi,
2: Good, Malika. morning Good morning, Good morning, Malika.
6: Thanks. Stay warm. Good morning, How thanks. can we help Great. you? Great show. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, In Harlem, redlining still lives, and we applied for a special program. I don't know if I can name the bank, but we feel that we're being discriminated against. We work hard, have the money, but um, they're giving us a hard time. One-third in, they told us to apply, somewhere else, and we want to know what we call... What you can can do do about
3: it? Yes. Okay, first of all, Harlem is are growing. I mean, Harlem is appreciating like heck. So yeah. whoever, I, I can't even imagine that because I think Harlem had one of the highest growths in New York City. So I, um, I, I would tell you that what you should do is send us your information and we'll, yeah. I mean, so, in other words, way. you're looking for a mortgage. Is that it? Or you're looking to get a mortgage? That's it. They'll so send it to right. us.
2: Yeah. Give us, um, give us a call or just email us. Malika. Can you give me
6: the uh, number and the email information, please?
2: Yeah. Um, if you, um, you know what? I'll give it to you right now. It's ace.w. Ace,
3: A-C-E Ace.w.
2: Dot dot at CitizensBank.com. Ace.w. At CitizensBank.com.
6: Exactly.
2: And leave your information with um, the producer. And and, and just uh,
3: say yeah. Yep. And say the girl that called the show. Exactly. will know. Exactly. And then we'll know. And, get and we'll person? get back to you. Your number, please.
2: My number. Welcome. Um, it's nine one seven. Yep. Eight five nine. Eight five nine. Six four three nine. Six
6: four three nine. Thank you so much. I pray you can help us, Daddy. You're the best. We listen. Thank to you, Jones. Malika. Thank we'll you so try much. and
3: help you. Thanks oh, for have calling. Have a good Thank weekend. You. Thank you Thanks for calling. Bye. Thanks. Hey, why not? Right? You know. You know. If you. Sometimes, you know, I don't know the story, but look, it yeah. doesn't really matter. We'll, we'll, we'll try, try to help. help we? We'll try to help. Yeah, and, 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 and so getting back to, because Harlem is such a, it's really appreciating. It's unbelievable what goes on there. Oh, it's- uh, now, of course, I hope that most people know that this is true, but when they go to sell their houses, they usually forget it. They go, well, I put this in, I put that in, I put this in, they add up all they spent and that's what they want. And uh, sellers should expect to earn back everything they invested in remodeling projects at resale time. And obviously, that is a false no. Uh, Usually, uh, if you do a cost versus value survey, it is nearly impossible to get 100% of the money that he put into a redo back when they sell. Now, of course, if you bought something in 1922, maybe... But remember, kitchens and bathrooms continue to be huge. Selling points for prospective buyers, so to make the home more attractive, those things kind of work. Do I have a second? Okay, I have two seconds. If buyers don't like the exterior, they'll never go inside. Often that's true, so when you have your photos taken to put online, make sure the curb appeal and the outside looks good, otherwise somebody might not even go in. Okay, so remember the exterior counts. Home, I don't think I have time, but I think I
2: think it's uh it's about that it's time. It's over. Yep. we'll
3: finish and I'll have fun tonight, and I'll see- I'll be back next week, and hopefully we won't get another nor'easter. We will all have a great week, everyone. And if you're in the Northeast, weather the cold. It's almost over.